Let us all now please turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, 19 through 20. I, should, I guess I should say 19 and 20. And after you found James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, if you could please stand to honor the reading of his word. It says in James chapter 1, 19 and 20, Therefore, my beloved brothers, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. God bless and honor the reading of his word, and you may be seated. Now, everyone gets angry. Everyone. I've never met a person yet, and I never will meet a person that doesn't get upset. It's a natural, it's a natural way of, of human beings. Everybody gets irritated, and everybody gets frustrated. Some people show up more often. Some people get irritated quicker. Some people have faster uh, temperaments. In fact, <laughs> in fact, I, uh, I'm wearing a tie today. I sometimes have a theme to my madness, at least my tie-wearing madness. I'm very much addicted to buying ties, and I, I, you know that. A lot of them I got from my father. You could say I, I uh, got that habit from him. I didn't. I, 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 I kind of did. But in a way, a lot of my ties were his, a lot of them are not. I have hundreds of ties. Hundreds, hundreds of hundreds, probably 300 or more. But that being said, I got so many ties, I keep buying them, making some of them. That being said, this tie is a Donald Duck tie. I love Donald Duck. But this is a very rare kind that you see Donald Duck. He's happy. And it's true that Donald Duck is happy sometimes, the character. The truth be told, most of the time when we see Donald Duck, at least in our minds, we think of being mad, throwing a fit because he, he squat, which I can do that noise, I'm not going to, that would be disturbing while you're trying to think of the Lord. But the truth be told, uh, he would get mad. You remember him squawking and making the noises? The truth be told, that's when we usually think about him. And everybody gets angry, and I think that's why we, we love that endearing character, Donald Duck, so much. We all have a little bit of a sweet, charming Mickey Mouse in us. We all have a little bit of the goofy, at least I do, goofy in us. And we all have a little bit of the Donald Duck in us, getting angry, get angry fast, but some people hang on to that anger. They hang on to the anger and they don't let it go. They hang on to it longer than they should. And some let anger take over them. And some make a mess of things with their anger. They do. And in fact, today's sermon title is Anger the Sermon. Anger the Sermon. Now, I had another title for it originally, but you'll see. You'll see why I call it anger the sermon. Mostly because there's so many parts of anger in today's sermon that I had to give it an interesting name. The original sermon title was Anger Management. And I have that here. Because that's the first thing we're going to talk about is anger management. How we need to know how to uh, manage our anger. And how do we do that? Well, first of all, the way to manage anger is by handing it over to God. That's how we do it. Because I cannot manage my own anger. I don't know about you. I have no management over anger on my own. You see, I think a lot of times we forget that the world, I'm talking about the lost, the people of the world, we oftentimes say, why can't they do this? Or why don't they do that? We forget that they're ignorant. Now, by ignorant, I don't just mean uneducated. I mean stupid. And I know stupid is a mean word sometimes. At least it comes off that way. But I mean they don't have what we have. It's like being blind. You get mad at a blind person for not seeing what you see. It's like 
getting mad at a deaf person for not hearing what you hear. Or a dumb person, by dumb, I'm talking about not being able to speak. But, but the world is dumb, also ignorant, in the sense that they don't have that wisdom. And it's not your wisdom anyway. It's the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And so you have an ability to say no to your worldly anger, to your natural anger. That's how anger management comes into being, handing it over to the Lord, handing it over to the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes people let that Donald Duck way come out of them. I can't help myself. They get that way and they start throwing that fit. They start going crazy. You remember how he'd start putting his arms up. They start like, you remember, you remember how they would have that little bubble come up, at least on the, the comic strip part. And they have those little curly cues and all that weird little symbolism. That because they don't want to put up a curse word, obviously. Because back then they actually had morals. <laughs> Nowadays it's like, oh, what's wrong with that? He was already thinking it. And so Christians are that way too. Well, I'm already thinking it. God knows, so I might as well say it. No. I've fallen for that trap before, sadly. I've allowed my tongue to take over, my stupid fleshly ways take over. No, that's an excuse, and that's a trap from the devil. Don't fall for that. Don't fall for the traps of the devil. We're going to get into that. But first, we're going to talk about this. Give over your anger through anger management to the Holy Spirit. So let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 9. Because it says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 9. And keep in mind, Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon. And this wasn't just Solomon who had the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of God, that's what it means, the Holy Spirit. But this means, this is Solomon who had the wisdom of God, who chose the flesh, who chose the flesh over God, and then realized how wrong he was for doing such a thing, and now was back to putting God over the flesh. That's what he's talking about most of Ecclesiastes. It's how, okay, God gave me this wisdom, but I chose the flesh over God's wisdom. And now I'm back to realizing how wrong I was. And so now he is, that's what he's talking about, Ecclesiastes. So when you get to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it said there's a time for death, a time for this, a time for that. He's talking about we all go through these things, but we should always choose the wisdom of God first, not the wisdom of man. Not the wisdom of the flesh, but the wisdom of the Lord. That's what he's talking about. So what does he say in Ecclesiastes 7, 9? He says, do not be quick in your spirit to be angry, for irritation settles in the bosom of fools. Settles in our chest, settles in our heart. That's what he's saying. So I'll say it again. Do not be quick in your spirit to be angry, for irritation settles in the bosom of fools. What is a fool? Those who say there is no God. A fool is an ignorant person. Those of the world. We're not to be like those of the world. But then people take this stuff and they take it out of context. They take it out of context. They say, but wait a minute. What about the anger of God? Does God have anger? You bet he does. And we're going to talk about that first. Besides anger management that we can give unto the Lord God through the Holy Spirit. There is the anger of God. God has anger, but God's anger is just God's anger is righteous. God's anger is correct anger. But let's take a look at that. The anger of God. Why does God get angry? Because God is our Father, our Father God. I'll talk more about the Father God closer to the Father's Day because I enjoy doing that. Of course, I talk about Father God all the time. But Father God wants to lead us and guide us and do what's right for us. Now, I realize that our dads, in the real life of dads, I apologize if I'm making it sound like I'm throwing you under the bus, but you're only human. 
you make mistakes. My dad made mistakes, a good, good man, but he made mistakes. Because why? He had the audacity to be a human being. But I'll tell you this, believe it or not, I make my fair share of mistakes. But when I'm listening to God, those mistakes are less and less and less. And why? Because God is never wrong. How often is God, is God wrong when? Never, never. We misunderstand him, but he is never wrong. So God's anger is righteous and correct, always. Even when Moses corrected God, he wasn't really correcting him. He wasn't correcting God. He was saying that the people are not going to understand what you're doing. And so God took back what he was going to do so that the people would see it. Remember, he was saying they're going to see through incorrect visual eyes, eyes of the world. So God took it back so that the little foolish eyes of the world could see it correctly. They can't see through God's eyes. We can't see through God's eyes. We have little imperfections in our eyes. We have imperfect eyes. That's why I have to wear glasses. But the truth be told, God has perfect eyes. Everything about him is perfect. So the anger of God uh, are because those people, the people that God had anger against, is because why? Why? Because they were disobedient to him. They were disobedient. They were blasphemous. They put themselves over God. Because why? God's way is always right. So let's take a look at a few verses, and we're going, to, we're going to take a look at why he got mad. The people like the Pharisees, he got mad at them. Said they were evil. The Sadducees said they were evil. They said, oh, the devil. How about other people in the Bible that he got mad at? Okay, we know he did. He destroyed different people. The Canaanites, didn't he not? Oh, yeah. He destroyed the Canaanites. Yes, he did. Why? Why would he destroy the Canaanites? Well, let's take a look at the Canaanites. They're trying to destroy the Israelites. They're trying to destroy them. He got mad at the Midianites. He got mad at other people, too. How about this, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah? Destroyed them. Why? They would not listen to him. He sent, he sent people. He tried to warn them. They wouldn't listen. It wasn't because God hates people. He's not racist. Though some people try to say that. Oh, you killed a whole type of people, folks. Had nothing to do with race. It had nothing to do with, oh, they're not as good as the Jewish. It had nothing to do with that. It had to do with they're disobedient. And they wouldn't listen. People still do it to this day. How come so-and-so is sick? Now, sometimes it's because, unfortunately, they're born with a tumor, like I was. Or they're born with, with bad hearts or bad this or bad that. But sometimes a person decides they're going to live a certain lifestyle that God said was wrong. Oh, who's wrong? God's wrong. No, he's not. The person is for living that way when God said it was wrong. Or how about this? How about a person decides to live like an alcoholic? Oh, they were born that way. Wrong. They chose to do those things and they could give it up, but they don't. Or how about they decide to live in certain ways, certain habits and certain things. I know it's difficult, but it can be done. But no, who's wrong? God's wrong. No, he's not wrong. The person who chooses not to listen to God is wrong. They decide to have sex out of wedlock over and over and over and over and over again. And oh, God's wrong for letting me have this, this illness because all I did was live like trash. What did I do wrong? You know what you did wrong. You didn't listen to God. Why is he so mad? No, why are you so mad at God? Because he tried to tell you and you wouldn't listen. Come on now. Come on. You know what's happening. You know. But then we get mad at God and we blame him and say, he's a bad, mean God. He's a racist. He's this, he's that. Quit trying to judge God and measure him up to your philosophies. We're supposed to put ourselves into God, not God into us. Come on. 
So the anger of God, let's take a look at some of these verses. And I may not be able to go through them all. There's so many verses I could go through. This is one of the reasons why my poor mama here has had to shorten the songs because you guys have a long-winded, loud-mouth pastor. <laughs> so many verses I follow does. Here we go. Psalm 711. No, I'm not talking about the gas station. Psalm 711. God is a righteous judge. And God has indignation every day. Indignation itself means righteousness. But people take that out of context when they think of themselves. When they get mad, they say, everything I do is indignation. Everything I do is righteous. Not if it's not following God. Make sure whatever you do is righteous and following the Lord. Don't throw temper tantrums. Don't be that Donald Duck in a moment, okay? Make sure that you're doing what's right. Not in your eyes, but in the eyes of God. Then there's Deuteronomy 32.4. Deuteronomy 32.4. What does it say? Talking about the Lord. He is the rock. His work is what? Perfect. For all his ways are just. He is a God of faithfulness and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. Some people in the world say, I don't necessarily agree with that. Take it up with Moses. And take it up with the Lord. Don't take it up with me. This is why I quote the Bible so often. Because people can say, it's just your opinion. It's not my opinion. It's the word of God. Oh, that's just your opinion. It's the word of God. Hey, listen, you don't have to answer to me. I, I don't care. That's why I know it can be misunderstood when I say I don't care. But I don't care. Take it up to God. Don't take it up with me. I'm not worried about that. The fact of the matter is, I'm not the one you have to answer to. The Lord is. Praise the Lord. Psalm 11, 11 7. This is the exact opposite of a while ago. Psalm 7, 11. Now we have Psalm 11, 7. For the righteous Lord loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. He doesn't get angry when you're following him. By the way, for those of you, we've all made mistakes. You know, I've quoted it a million times. For all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23. We've all done that. But he also loves you despite that. Like a dad, he loves a child. He loves his sons. He loves his daughters. Father God loves you. But when you mess up and then you get back up and you go to your daddy, or your, you, I'm talking about Father God now. Or just like you did in real life, go to your daddy or your mama. And you say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I did this and this. And you go to them and say, you made this mistake. They say, it's okay, I love you. Not okay that you did it, but it, I, I forgive you. And I love you still. Because that's what they do. That's what they do. Because they made those mistakes too. Now, God's not made those mistakes. But he loves you despite the mistakes. And he's willing to lead you and guide you. And you got to remember something. God did have the opportunity to make those mistakes. He understands those feelings. That's why he came to this earth. Through Jesus Christ, he felt the temptation. He had the ability to be disobedient. He had the ability when Satan had him up there on the mountain to jump, to be disobedient to God. Yes, he had sexual temptations. Yes, he had disobedient temptations. Yes, he had the ability to eat when he shouldn't have eaten. He had the ability. That's why if you're obese and you understand that temptation, at least I do, I can understand all that. He had the abilities and had the temptations like you have. But God didn't. That's the difference. He's perfect. But the other thing is, is he understands when you come to him. He understands. He really does. And you might say to yourself, but God doesn't know. Yes, he does know. 
He knows that he forgives you. His arms are open wide. He wants to hug you and hold you and know. I'm talking spiritually, of course. But he knows and he's with you all the way. And it says in Psalm 90. Oh, yeah, I already said that. Okay. Psalm 90, verse 9. Psalm 90, verse 9. For all our days pass away in your wrath. We end our years with a groan. With a groan. Our days pass away in your wrath. We end our years with a groan. Praise the Lord God that he isn't going to hold that against you, Christian soldier. Even if you're falling behind, even if you're not following him right now, get back up, get back up, get back up on the track. You can do it. Second John, see, this is not all Old Testament. People say that, oh, that's Old Testament God. It's the same God. It's the same God. He doesn't change. Your point of view changes. A lot of times people say, oh, I like the Old Testament God. How stupid is that? People act like it's a different God. The only thing different is your mind, your point of view. It's not different God. It's the same God. It's just that he hasn't come in the flesh yet. That's the only difference. That's the same God. And Jesus Christ was there too. Oh, boy. It says in 2 John 1, 6, And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. To his commandments. And this is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you shall walk in it. Now, a lot of times people say those commandments don't matter anymore. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I'm not saying that we go to heaven because of the Ten Commandments. Of course, we can't get there on our own. But there's different kinds of law. There's different kinds of law. There's a law uh, talking about the, the, the types of law that were righteous. I mean, uh, I meant to say religious laws. Those don't matter anymore. That was a religion of the, the Judaism. We know that. There's the kind of laws that was was all because of a. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word here. I apologize. My brain's taking a nap. I just read it a while ago. Uh, it was the uh, basically from the land they took. They did things by a, a habit. I can't think of the word. Such the sea, but when you know, I can't remember the name of it. But they did it out of a. a, a, a ah, can't think of the word. There was the righteous one, uh, which is to say religious laws. There is the one that was all because of habit. They did it because that was the uh, legal law. That's the best word for it, legal law. There was a legal law. There was a religious law. And then there was moral law. And that's what we're talking about here, the Ten Commandments. They don't change. That moral law takes care of everything. Legal law changes depending on the land you're in. The uh, religious law, that was a different religion, by the way. That all changed too. For instance, eating of pork. I, I bring that one up because it gets brought up all the time. Why do you eat pork? Well, you are what you eat after all. <laughs> no, no, no. And truth is, truth is, is because God said it's taken care of. It's, it is finished. It is finished. After all, he did tell Peter to go ahead and eat pork. He told him to. You can read that in Acts. Going on from there. Psalm 86, verse 15. Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in mercy and truth. But moving on from there, there's anger, the emotion. So we know that there's anger management. We have that. There's an anger of God. There's an anger of God. And then there's anger, the emotion. Is it wrong to have the emotion of anger? No, it's not wrong to have the 
anger emotion because God gave it to us. We have that. But where it is wrong is to allow the emotion of anger to take control over us. Because remember, we're to control that emotion through the Holy Spirit, through the Lord God. You're to control the emotion, but you're not to let that emotion control you. Amen? Now, I've mentioned Donald Duck a few times. Daffy Duck does the same thing. And many, many Christians, many people that I've known for real people, have a hard time with their emotion of anger. That's not the only emotion people have a hard time with. Some people have a hard time with fear. Sometimes people have a hard time with lust. Well, I'm going to call it love. Call it lust. They do have love, but they also have lust. There's a difference, you know. There's a, a few other emotions that people have a hard time with. But let's take a look what it says in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 9. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 9 says, Do not be quick in your spirit to be angry, for irritation... Now, I mentioned this a while ago. I'm redoing it now. For irritation settles in the bosom of fools. Now, why did I say that twice? Because that's one that's used a lot. It's one that needs to be used a lot for several reasons. First of all, very, very often, we think that anger is natural, which it is, but that because it comes naturally, that we can't help ourselves, we can't help ourselves but to use it. And we can't help ourselves, we can't say no to it. Because if it comes naturally, then why not just use what we have and go off on people? Folks, just because you have it doesn't mean you have to use it and throw it at people. The fact of the matter is, as I say, the more that you have something, the more you need to fight it. For instance, if you have that, that, that want to, a desire of anger and frustration, and, and you start using it, a lot of times that's Satan trying to use what you have against you and against the, 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 uh, the wisdom of God. For instance, if you went off on someone every time you wanted to, how many people knows they would never shut up in frustration? If, if I'm alone here, maybe I am. Maybe I'm a horrible human being. I don't know. But when I go to Walmart or the grocery store or both, because sometimes, you know, there is a grocery store at Walmart. But maybe I'm the only one that when I go to the movie theater like I did yesterday, and I was a little frustrated. Those seats are way too close to that theater. And I was hot and irritated and, and everything else. And people were kicking me and everything. And uh, uh, not you, brother. But there was people that was kicking me and everything else, and uh, I was getting very frustrated. And uh, now, when I get frustrated like that, I have to pray. I have to pray a lot. When I'm with younger people, sometimes I have to pray. And I'm talking when people are talking politically and stuff. I have to pray. I have to pray, not Lord God, tell me what to tell these people and to go off on them. And because people do that, and what they call they call it righteous anger. They lie. No, a lot of times they're throwing fits, and we're not to do that. No. We have to control the emotion of anger, not let the emotion control us. So let's take a look now to Proverbs 14.29. Proverbs 14.29 says, He who is slow to wrath is of great understanding. Proverbs 14.29, He who is slow to wrath is of great understanding. But he who is hasty of spirit exalts folly. And I'm sure we've all done it. Moving up a little bit to Proverbs 15.1. Proverbs 15, 1, and stay in Proverbs 15, because we're going to go a few verses up on this. Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words, grievous words stir up anger. When people say they can't help themselves, don't lie to yourself. You know you can. A lot of times we just, either we wanted that excuse, a lot of times I've used it, oh, 
I can't help myself. Oh, you lie. You lie. I lie. I'm lying to myself. I can't help myself. <laughs> no, come on now. Come on. Yes, you can. It goes on to say in Proverbs 15, 18, a wrathful man, a wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger appeases strife. Now, folks, I'm not talking about if someone is telling a lie about the Lord not to tell the truth. I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying you can do it in a peaceful manner. You really can. I mean, let's say that people are telling lies about the Word of God, and you say, well, according to the Word of God, the Bible is what I say. According to the Word of God, the Bible, it says, and I try to do it with love and compassion. Now, I might irritate them anyway. They probably will. But you don't have to say, you're a liar. You're going to hell. You're going to burn there. <laughs> no, don't do that. But I've seen people do it. I've seen people do it. You think I'm, I'm making that up. I'm not. I've seen people do it. And as if they're glad they're going to hell or, or, or they're assuming that they're lost. Don't do that either. I've had people do that. I've seen people do that. Oh, they're going to hell. And I've actually had people say this. And I'm glad they're going to hell. What? You what? You're glad they're going to hell? And how do you know they're going to hell? First of all, only the Lord God knows that. And you're allowing your anger to take the control of you. So hush. Let the Holy Spirit take control. Not your frustration. Not your irritation. Don't do that. Now let's go to anger of righteousness. This is now anger of righteousness. Because what people so often say is anger of righteousness, righteousness is not anger of righteousness, but back to that emotion of anger. And they call it anger of righteousness, but there really is an anger of righteousness, or um, as we said uh, earlier, indignation. Anger of righteousness is often misunderstood, often mistaught, often misused. Anger of righteousness. Is there such a thing? Absolutely. And let's go to it because it's very important. Psalm. 45 7 and by the way you can write all this down if you don't have time to, to look it up because i don't always have time to wait and i apologize psalm 45 7 says you love righteousness and hate wickedness therefore god your god anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions it then says in proverbs 8 13 and 14 the fear of the lord by the way, this means to respect the Lord. It doesn't mean being afraid of Him. And I know I say that every time. And it's on purpose. Because I, I think it's important that we know the difference between respect and being afraid. Because some people don't. So let's take a look at that. Proverbs 8, 13-14. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverse mouth. It says, I hate. It says, in the perverse mouth, I hate. It says, counsel is mine. It's the Lord talking. And sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. Now, the Lord goes on to talk in there. And he says an awful lot. But I'm not going to go through all that. This is too much. And then, we're going to take a look at Jesus now. Did you know that Jesus was angry a few times in the Bible? Quite a few times in the Bible. Jesus was angry. Just like you. Jesus was angry, except that, except that, except that Jesus was angry for righteous reasons. Now, I'm not going to say that Jesus didn't get angry in the flesh, because I don't know, except for one thing. If Jesus got angry in the flesh, and by that I'm talking about the emotion, not letting his flesh take over. If Jesus got upset in uh, his emotion, which I can assume, he didn't let it take over. Okay? That's where he's beautiful. He's beautiful because he never allowed it to take over. He's human after all. 
But it's beautiful that he never allowed it to take over because I've seen the assumptions by movies, by cartoons, by comic strips, by so many other things. They make it look like Jesus threw a temper tantrum. He did not. He's not Donald Duck. Jesus Christ is not like your favorite characters on sitcoms. He's not like your people that you know in your family. By the way, I apologize. I'm not mocking any of them. But we all have people that we know. Maybe someone you work with, someone who you barely say howdy to them the wrong way, and suddenly it hits them the wrong way. They're suddenly like, oh, for the rest of the eight hours, they're mad at you. And, they're, and you're like, well, what did I do wrong? Did I do something wrong? You're, you're, you're questioning yourself. Maybe I said something wrong. Right? And you're... Folks, remember, Jesus Christ is not the author of confusion, not the master of confusion, not the architect of confusion, that's the devil. And I'm saying that to you not because I think your friend, your cousin, your, your brother, your brother-in-law, whoever is the, the, is the devil, but they can be used to the devil, as can you, if we do not let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us. Remember, we must do as Jesus did. But listen to what it says in Mark chapter 3, verse 5. The Pharisees are trying to trap him. The Pharisees are saying horrible things, and Jesus got irritated. It says in Mark 3, 5, When he had looked around, being Jesus, when he had looked around at them with anger, he was frustrated, but he looked around at them with anger, he grieved for the hardness of their hearts. He said to the man, because man was, was uh, not able to use his hand, he looked at the man, stretch your hand forward. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Now, you got to keep in mind, they were judging this man for not being able to use it. And they were saying he was evil, saying there was something wrong with him. And Jesus was mad at them for being selfish, for being self-righteous, and all these things. And Jesus had enough of that. But let's look what else he did. Now, let's look to John chapter 2, 13 through 17. Let's look what else he did. The Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went out to Jerusalem in the temple. He found those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and the money makers sitting there. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. He poured out the changes of uh, money and overturned the tables. Now I know we've seen it in the movies and the cartoons. He's like throwing a fit. He was going crazy. It's not exactly what he was doing. He was mad because what they were doing, mocking the Lord God, mocking what all this was about. He'd had enough of it. He said to those who sold the doves, take these things away. Do not make uh, my father's house the house of merchandise. People are doing it to this day. They're mocking the name of God. They're doing things they oughtn't be doing. By the way, it's not saying it's wrong for a church to raise money for the church. It's saying that people shouldn't be misusing the name of God and people do it every day. They misuse the name of God to raise money for themselves. They misuse the name of God on TV. They misuse the name of God through song. They misuse the name of God as they mock his name and do it through cursing. They misuse the name of God every single day. Maybe we've misused the name of God too, and we shouldn't. Make sure we're careful about what we do. Don't do it through joke. Don't do it through all these things to our own understanding. Come on now. We gotta make sure we're not misusing the name of God. We gotta be doing it correctly. What does it say in verse 17? His disciples remember that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. We must remember not to misuse it. And do not misuse when it says anger of righteousness. It's misunderstood, it's misused, it's misconstrued. People do it all the time. If you're to have righteous anger, you can have righteous anger right now, knowing that this world is misusing the name of God every day. And then there's anger, the sin. There's anger, the sin. 
Wait a minute, I thought you said anger was an emotion. It is. But anger the sin is a temper tantrum. Just like the whole Donald Duck thing I've been using as an example, the temper tantrum is the sin. Maybe you have your little sinful temper tantrums all the time. I don't know, and I'm not judging, and I'm not pointing it out. I'm simply saying I've had my, my little sinful temper tantrums. I've gotten up, oh, i got to stand because I'll tell you the truth. I'm starting to get all worked up. I've had my little sinful temper tantrums. I've done it before. There's been times I said, I want, I want, I need, I need, I now, now, now. And I have wanted it like a little child. And I, you might think, oh, he's talking about when he was a kid. I've done it. But I'm not just talking that. I've said, well, I'm talking to the Lord God. I said, Lord God, I want this, I want this, I want this. And you know what I've done? I put myself through 10 years of misery because of having a temper tantrum. I put myself through years of hardships because I want a temper tantrum. And trying to say, this is what I need, I need, I want, I want. And God's trying to say no, and I don't listen. Maybe you've done the same thing. Listen to yourself, there are temper tantrums, but you don't listen. That's not what God wants. It says in Ephesians 6, 4. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, you better listen. Ephesians 6, 4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in, this, uh, up in the dis discipline and instruction of the Lord. How many fathers, how many mothers, how many people are not bringing their children up in the ways of the Lord. They're not disciplining them. They say, oh, it's so wrong to discipline. Wrong, wrong, wrong. It's right to discipline. They let the kids run the roost. Boy, we see it all the time, don't we? How about with uh, someone, I won't say the individual's name, but somebody recently said that everybody is a parent of the home. They said that everybody's uh, involved with the child. Well, that's wrong. Nobody has the right over your child except for you and the Lord. That's who has the, not the president, not the government. Only you and the Lord are supposed to be in charge of your home and your children. You know who should definitely have run over the roost in your home? Not your children, not even you, but the Lord God should have the run of the roost of your home. And if he doesn't, there's the problem. There's the problem. When you bring him up in the way of the Lord. It says in Ephesians 4.26, be angry. Oh, it's important. Probably the most important verse of the day. Here we go. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. This is where I always say, anger is not a sin. Anger is not a sin. It's what you do with it. It's what you do with it or don't do with it. You remember how they used to do in the cartoons? You see the little red coming up. So I wear it red, by the way. You, you see the red coming up on, it'd rather be Donald or anyone else, red coming up, and they're boiling. Don't we do that sometimes? Don't let it boil. Go to the Holy Spirit. Go into prayer. God, take over. You know, I have to do that a lot, not just because of anger, but because of emotion. Because of being, when I'm starting to have seizure problems and other things, I have to relax, I have to calm no, I don't want you to think I'm kumbaya on. I'm not doing that. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing anything like that. I'm praying unto the Lord God, Lord, you're in charge of all things. Lord, take control. Because on my own, nothing can be done. But when the Lord's in charge, all things are possible. All things. Amen. And it says in Luke 6.31, and remember this, Luke 6.31, and I'm saying this because when we allow, when we allow our temper to get the better of us, we may treat people the way we want to at that moment. Our frustration, our anger. Sometimes we want to, and I, I know I keep referring to cartoons and things today because I can't think 
of a better, more illustrated way than to allow an animation moment to come into your mind. I don't want to really get serious about thinking of things we see in the news or people hurting others, which we do. So I'm trying to use that illustration. I'm trying to use that illustration to point it out. Think of those Popeye cartoons when he get mad and start beating up on people. We do that in our minds and it starts boiling to the top. But remember this, Luke 6.31. Matthew 7.12 goes with it. But Luke 6.31, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. The golden rule I quote every day. I apply it to my life because there's many times I like to say a lot and I don't. And there's other times that I don't want to say things, continuously don't want to say things because I'm trying to be peaceful and kind. I don't want to say this to this person. I don't want to say that. And the Holy Spirit gets all over me and says, Philip, this person's going to go to hell. If you don't say this, they just might not get another chance. Please, Lord, don't make me say it. Philip, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I sometimes have to say things because it's more important to then there's anger, the attitude. We sometimes hang on to the attitude of anger. We don't need to. But we do it, don't we? You know how I know? Because I've done it. I'm ashamed of it, but I've done it. Being angry at individuals, certain individuals particularly, who will do wrong to me, and I hang on to it like a habit. Like, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Then attitude of anger. Just walk around mad, mad at the world, irritated. Maybe you've not done that, and I really hope you haven't. But I've done it. I've had anger, the attitude where no one's done anything wrong to me, but I've just come across that way. I, I just walked around the world, someone did wrong to me an hour or two hours ago. Maybe you've done it, maybe you haven't. Someone done something wrong to you, and all of a sudden you're treating other people bad. Why? Well, because that jerk cut in front of me in Walmart or whatever. I keep using that example because I shot there more than I ought to. And so, therefore, I'm gonna treat this guy wrong. Why? Because that guy did wrong, wrong. It's an attitude. Change the attitude. Make your attitude that one of Christ. Your actions like that of Christ, not that of a bad attitude, but an attitude of Christ. What does it say in Ecclesiastes 10.4? I know you want to know, so I'm going to tell you. Ecclesiastes 10.4 says, If the anger of a ruler rises against you, and I'm saying this too because I know that a lot of times our attitude gets bad towards the presidents. Presidents. I'm not talking about the current president, maybe. I feel that way at times. But I'm talking about the presidents, the government, the people in, in government, whether it be a governor, whether it be a mayor, whether it be a person in your neighborhood who's in charge of certain things. Maybe it's people you see on the news all the time. I'm guilty as it is anyone else. We see someone say, oh, an idiot, oh, this or that. Listen to this now. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your post for calmness pacifies great offenses. I'm simply saying, stay calm, be loving, pray for those people. This may sound hypocritical. I don't mean it that way. Do you know I pray for people every day who I don't like? You don't have to like them, but I say it all the time like my father did. You do have to love them. Love them. Love them. Don't let your anger take over. Pray for the president every single day. Oh, I don't like him. I don't care if you like him or not. Pray for him. Pray for the presidents, all of them. Pray for every single one of them who has been or will be. Pray for them. Pray for them who are in government, every single one of them. Even those who you don't like and you think they're a loudmouth. Well, they probably are. But you need to pray for them anyway, because I want every single one of them to go to heaven, and not a one of them to not. 
We need to be this way. Not because your pastor says so, because Christ says so. And there's anger, the habit. Once you have that attitude of anger, then you're going to get to the habit of it. You're going to think of it every single day. You're going to be, I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm mad. Well, don't be like that. Don't be like that. Get into the habit of being happy. And I'm not talking about false happiness. I'm talking about happiness in Jesus. Happiness in the Lord and the Holy Spirit. And it's not that hard to do. All you got to do is settle on the Lord. This morning in Sunday school, we were talking about waking up, waking up, and, and making sure that you start Starting your day off with prayer. Start your day off with the word of God. Start your day off with singing the songs of the Lord God. And don't wait. Do it right away. And it's going to change your day. It'll change your thought. It'll change everything you do. Make it a habit. You need to get used to put the anger uh, not around you, but behind you. But if you start off with that anger being with you all the time, oh. If they had a, a, a cereal, I'm not trying to give any ideas. But if they had a cereal called Anger the cereal, they, they would probably sell it. It'd probably be crunchy and mean, and, and they'd have it. I can almost imagine the cartoon they have on there. I'm angry. Eat me. And they would have that on there, and you'd walk around with a, with a mean, bad day. It'd probably be so crunchy, it'd probably hurt your gums all the way, all the day, and you'd be mad all day long. Can you imagine what that'd be like? I, I can imagine. So Proverbs 22, 24 through 25 says, make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man, you will not go. It says, lest you learn his ways and get a snare to your soul. That's what it says. That's what it says. And it says at Ephesians 4, 26 to 31. It says, Be angry and do not sin, as we said a while ago. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give a place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Listen to this part now, because I'm telling you, this is the part I've struggled with it. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but listen to what this says now. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. He goes on to say we need to be kind to one another. We need to treat each other like we said a while ago, the way we want to be treated. That's what we need to do. What we need to do. Because you know what? There's also anger the language. Anger the language. That may sound kind of silly, but it's true. Isn't there a way of speaking that sounds angry? It's frustration. Anger of the language. This goes along with the attitude and the habit. Now, I'm not going to go through all these verses because there's an awful lot here. But I might read one or two. It says in Exodus 20, verse 7. And I want this to be said because this comes out of the Ten Commandments. Remember what I said a while ago about morals that do not change? 
morality does not change the moral laws. It says in Exodus 20, verse 7, You shall not take the name of the Lord God in vain. The name of the Lord your God in vain, it says. For the Lord will not hold guiltless anyone who takes his name in vain. This gets taken out of context. We know there's a lot that can be said about taking the Lord's name in vain. This can be used of misusing his name in religions. It can be taken for misusing his name, for instance, cursing. It can be taken for making vows to it and all sorts of things. But folks, we shouldn't curse with his name either. I think many of us have been guilty of that. And I've seen it. I've heard it. And I've been guilty of it in the past. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to say it. But I was when I was young. I, I said it before. And then I apologized all over the place. God forgave me. And he said, well, shouldn't you forgive yourself? Of course. But you know what? At least I've learned from it. And that's the only good thing about hanging on to things. Is that I don't mean hanging on to it and keep beating yourself up like with a bat. But learn from it at least. Don't forget it. But don't hang on to it like a grudge either. It says in Ephesians 5, 4, let there be no filthiness. Listen, this is important. This is why I'm talking about the language. I'm not going to skip these. It says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse joking, with which are not fitting, instead giving thanks. It's not fitting for us Christians to be talking. Oh, i got to stand up now. It's not fitting for us Christians to be talking vile. And many of us have done it. Many of us have done it. I'm not alone. Many of us have done it, and it's not good. People say, God has a sense of humor. He doesn't find it funny. He doesn't find it funny. Listen, he doesn't find it funny for us to be putting him down and to be using his name in vain. It's not funny. You must be quiet. Quit using that tongue incorrectly. Come on now. Take it for one who could not speak for several days. Had a tube down his throat. I didn't find it funny not to be able to do that. But I kept saying, Lord God, Help me to tell the story. I love to tell the story. I kept saying. That's how it became my song. I want to tell his story, not ruin his name, not mock his name. And we can't do that. Let's not make the Lord angry. But more importantly, we should not have anger the language coming from this tongue. It should not be double-sided. It should be one-sided. Going from there, going from there. It says in Proverbs 13:3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips will have destruction. 1 Peter 3.10, 1 Peter 3.10. For he who would love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Oh, there's so much to be said. And I'll be speaking of some of this tonight. Proverbs 15.1. Well, I said it a while ago. I said it a while ago. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. And Colossians 3.8, But now you must also put away all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. You see how it says it more than one place? There's so many others. I'm going to go ahead and name them because I've heard people say, oh, it says it in one place. No, it doesn't. And it's not just one author. I've had some people say, only Paul said it. No, he didn't. There's a lot of people who said it. <laughs> Second Timothy 2.16, 2.16. But avoid profane, foolish babblings, for there will increase to more ungodliness. In other words, shut your mouth. <laughs> and by the way, that almost sounds hypocritical coming from me who has a hard time shutting his mouth. But the fact of the matter is, is don't let yourself just say anything. 
and don't speak in anger, but let the love of the Lord God through the Holy Spirit come through you. And if you do that, whoo, it'll change everything in your life. Oh, Aunt B, it sure will. James 3.10, out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. From one moment, you're speaking a Hallmark card. I love you, I love you, I love you. From the next side, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. These things ought not to be so. And believe me, I know. One minute I'll be talking to someone who says, I love you, I can't live without you, we'll be together forever. The next minute, I hate you, I wish you would die. Oh, you can't have that. You never know what you're talking to. I love you, I hate you, I love you, I hate you. You can't have that. Hot water, cold water, hot water, cold water. You can't have that. Good golly, Miss Molly. You can't have that at all. That's horrible. And we shouldn't be that way to God. I love God. I've never done anything to hurt God. Next moment, oh God, I wish, why are you so mean to me? You're so bad. Come on now. Decide which one you are. So anger the language cannot and should not be upon our mouth. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm saying we're not an obedient Christian with the way we talk. And I'm as guilty as you, or at least I have been. But this mouth has to be careful. Last week I spoke about having a muzzle. We must be careful with what we say. Anger and the love of it. Some people get so used to the anger, they start loving it. And that's all I'll say about that. I'll, I'll go on to say anger the slave. And by that I mean anger the slave we are to it. We start becoming a slave to being angry if we're not careful. The habit, we spoke about that earlier. So I'll move on from that except to say this, that in Proverbs 29, 22, it says an angry man stirs up strife and a furious man abounds in transgression. We start becoming so angry, we become a slave to it and we start enjoying it almost. And it says this in 1 John 2, 9 through 11. It says, whoever says he is in the light, but hates his brother, is in darkness even until now. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And I'm simply saying, folks, not that you're not going to be angry, but don't live in it. Don't get used to it. Don't keep hating. We're not to do that. You might say, but wait a minute. Are we not? We don't hate, do we? Well, that's the next one. That's the next one. Anger the transformer. Anger the transformer. Because anger will quickly, if you let yourself get used to it, if you get to loving it, if anger becomes the slave, and I don't mean it becomes a slave, but you become a slave to it, guess what it becomes? It will transform to hate. It transforms to hate, and it transforms you, and it becomes a nature to you. Don't let it transform you, and it will. You find yourself hating someone in particular, maybe an ex-girlfriend, maybe an ex-boyfriend, maybe an ex-boss, maybe an ex-mother-in-law, sister-in-law, son-in-law, an in-law of some sort, whatever. I've been blessed because I have been blessed with, I had some really good in-laws at one point, and I love them with all my heart and soul. But it might be, or it might be, it could very well be someone, someone in your life even now that you have that, that, that you, uh, you don't like them. And it's all right if you don't like them, but don't let yourself come in to hate them. Don't let that anger take over you. Maybe it's someone that you see every day and you just don't like them at all. Maybe it's someone you're forced to see, and you almost have such a bad anger that's starting to transform and become such frustration, you almost hate them. Folks, that's not godly. And I can understand it, I really can. 
because we've still got that human in us. But Lord, the Lord can transform that into love. He can transform your feelings. The Lord can transform your feelings because through God all things are possible. He can transform it to love and loving them and forgiving them. He forgave you. You can forgive them. Why? Because you can know because Christ can. I promise you. I promise you. What does it say in James 4, 1 through 2? Where do wars and fights among you come from? Do they not come from your lust that war in your body? You lust and do not have, so you kill. You desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. This is what happens. It says in Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love, listen now, but love covers what? All sins. Love covers all sins. Christ covered our sins with his love. And I'm telling you, it can change the way we feel. And the last part is anger, the poisonous diet plan. You know how many things are on right now? How many things are on right now that people say is dietary? <laughs> it's, it's bad for us. It's poisonous. Right now, uh, Barack Obama's wife is trying to sell uh, kid juice that's actually very bad for the kids. It's all sugar. They say it's dietary. It's not. It's really bad for them. But they, they have a diet put on it. And so there's, therefore, I've had diet things. They say, oh, it's good for you. You end up finding out there's more calories in that diet thing than there is in a candy bar. <laughs> I know because I took it. I said, oh, this is good for you. It says diet on it. And like, I don't know why I'm gaining weight on this diet thing. And then you find out, oh, because diet's only in name only. So then that's how the devil does. The devil oftentimes tells us that we're doing the right thing, but we're listening to hatred. We're listening to the wrong spirit. And we need to be careful. Remember what it says in 1 Peter 3, 9. Do not repay evil for evil or curse for curse, but on the contrary, bless, knowing that this to this you will you are called so that you may receive a blessing. Or 1 John 1, 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Folks, we need to remember that God loves, Jesus loves. doesn't mean you can't hate evil, but we are not to let anger take over. No, 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 no. In fact, I'll say this. In the beginning, this is Proverbs 17, 14. In the beginning of strife is as when one lets out water, Therefore, abandon contention before a quarrel starts. You need to be careful. There's a lot more I could say, but I won't. I'll go on and I'll say one more thing before I close this. And that is Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of God, to which also you are called in one body, rule in your hearts and be thankful. Anger is going to be in you every single day. But you can fight it off with the Holy Spirit. Just don't let it take over. I have problems like you do. I juggle with it like you do through the flesh, through the spirit. But the spirit's going to win out. You know why? Because greater is he who is in me than he who is of the world. That's 1 John 4, 4. You can win, not you, but he who is in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we're going to close tonight. Today. I almost said tonight. But tonight's a whole other time. Psalm 34, 14. Psalm 34, 14. And the verse stand strong. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. I'm going to say it one more time. 
Psalm 34, 14. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. You see, it's not a sin to be upset. It's not a sin to be angry. God knows I've had my moments. Just like you. The sin comes from listening to it, from following it, and listening to that liar, the devil. And you know every single time he tries to make you feel like you're justified in it. But don't listen to that. Listen to the Holy Spirit who wants to free you from anger. Don't be a slave to it. You are set free from the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit, you are set free from it. And Jesus Christ has set you free with his blood. Let's bow in prayer. Dear precious Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord God, for being with us every day. When we are angry, Lord God, I pray that you remind us and help us to sin not. I pray, Lord God, that you help us to focus on the peace that you have given us, that you give to us every day when we focus on you. I pray, Lord God, that you will help those right now who realize that they're angry and that they're suffering from it. But Lord Jesus Christ, I also know there are some who feel so guilty about the anger that they go through, that the devil makes them feel so guilty about it, Lord God, that they, they focus only on that, the guilt. I pray that you will set them free right now. I pray the moments that we go, go to that emotion of anger, I pray, Lord God, that you will help us to focus only on you and your word and only on the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that we will no longer allow ourselves to be slaves to this emotion or slaves to the world around us. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that we will focus only on you and allow you to be the master of our life. I pray this in the Lord Jesus, your holy, precious name. Amen.